This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. If you're thinking, I should go for a run today, but it looks like it could rain, Sierra says, save on epic rain jackets. If you're also thinking, but I can't go out in these beat-up old running shoes, Sierra says, save on top brand running shoes. And if you're still thinking, but I'm also busy performing brain surgery, well, then we say, you really should have led with that. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now. Go! How to take hardwood cuttings, an easy-to-follow tea break tutorial with me, Alan Titchmarsh. Hello and welcome to the brand new Gardener's World magazine podcast series, exploring some of the key issues that incense and inspire gardeners. These are handy expert guides to some of the topics and techniques the team at Gardener's World are asked about time and time again. Cuttings, tomatoes, pests, 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 blooming blight, composting, to name but a few. In this exclusive series, I'm going to talk about some of these big questions and share with you my practical, no-nonsense solution. I'll lead you, not down the garden path, but to a more successful, hopefully less stressful approach to tackling common garden woes and getting the garden of your dreams. I want to help you to have more time enjoying the fruits and flowers of your labours and less time actually labouring. Christmas time, rich foods, luxurious drinks, feet up by the fire, thoughtful gifts and the corresponding heaviness in your tummy and the lightness in your wallet. Well, this tea break tutorial offers a cure for both. 
Taking hardwood cuttings from shrubs is a brilliant gardening task which will blow away the Boxing Day cobwebs and give you free plants. Perfect. And if you're extra canny and are spectacularly organised, you can even grow Christmas gifts for your friends for next year. How's that for festive economy? And with the current strain on the cost of living and energy bills, well, every penny counts. And it really is generally... Shrubs, some trees, but mainly shrubs and deciduous shrubs that we can raise from hardwood cuttings. What are they? Well, just that. Cuttings made from wood shoots which have hardened due to something called secondary thickening. Quite a lot of us feel that with age around the middle. But in plants, it means the stem has become woody. So hardwood cuttings rather than semi-ripe cuttings, which are nearly woody, or softwood cuttings, which are not remotely woody, hardwood the wood there has fully matured and it is firm and rigid. And taking a hardwood cutting means snipping one of these woody stems off a plant and encouraging it to form roots of its own. In other words, propagation, making a new plant from a stem. I first learnt about it, oh gosh, back at day release classes when I was an apprentice gardener in the 1960s and being shown how to do it for exams. The thing about exams is you can do it and you can show you how to do it, but you've long gone before the thing starts to root. However, <laughs> I like to live in hope that a lot of the hardwood cuttings I took did root and that my college lecturer would have been impressed with my prowess. Why do it? Well, the benefits are that you don't need anything in the way of protective cultivation. If you don't have a greenhouse, or you don't have a cold frame, or you have nothing like that which shelters and protects your plants, you can still take hard cuttings, because they're rooted outdoors in open ground. And that way, you know that you really are getting something for nothing and relatively very little effort. You can make more of the plants that you love for yourself, for your friends, or for plant sales and charities. It's completely free. And if you're moving house or having building work done, which means that something is in the way and you're going to have to move it or it won't move, it's too big, it's too old... Perhaps you can recreate a new generation of plants from hardwood cuttings. And the environmental benefits are many. You don't need anything in the way of containers or heat or energy. The carbon footprint is nil. I mean, there's so much to be said in favour of hardwood cuttings, not least the easy way in which they can be taken and made to root. A lot of people are scared of propagation. It sounds so complicated and too technical and expensive. Well, there's no expense involved with hardwood cuttings. You simply need a spade, some sharp secateurs, and a bit of patience. It's not a done-in-a-day job because you'll be waiting for your cuttings to root and then to be transplanted. But it encourages patience. But it encourages patience. It makes you realise what plants take to grow. And by the end of it, when you've managed to raise some new ones, at no cost to yourself other than that patience, you'll feel so virtuous. So let's get cracking.
When you're propagating from hardwood cuttings, first choose your plants. What types of plants is it suitable for? Well, deciduous shrubs, things like roses, flowering currant, forsythia, climbers like campsis, the trumpet vine, honeysuckle, trachea spermum, fruit bushes like gooseberries and currants. They're all suitable for taking hardwood cuttings of plants that are less suitable those that are evergreen um, generally speaking and those that have very flimsy thin stems which won't have enough sustenance within them to see the plant through that rooting period to keep it growing living on its hump if you like but the thicker stem plants generally speaking have enough wherewithal to sit quietly do avoid any plants that have got sap which is tricky to deal with. Figs, for instance, have got that milky sap, which can be a bit of a pain. So have a go, really, is my answer. What have you got to lose, particularly if you're going to lose a plant anyway, because it's got to be moved? I would always take some hardwood cuttings at this time of year, in winter, while they're dormant, and see if you can get them growing. Make sure, first of all, that the plant is disease-free, that it's vigorous, and that the stems you're taking are relatively young. Generally speaking, they're one-year-old stems that have hardened up and become woody, but they're not too gnarled. If a pencil is your guide, you won't go far wrong. They're, generally speaking, of a round pencil thickness, though there are one or two plants which might surprise you in terms of what can root. If you take a poplar stem that's as thick and as long as a broom handle, or a willow stem that's the same, or a mulberry, those three, mulberry, poplar and willow, they have something called preformed root initials. You can stick these great lumps of wood into the ground. <laughs> they will root. It's why often mulberry trees look older than they actually are. And you know from school when you were a nipper that pussy willow stood in water would push out roots. So there's an indicator that one or two plants where it really is so easy. With everything, make sure that you've got a sharp pair of secateurs that cut cleanly through the wood rather than crushing it or allowing it to tear. Because on crushed and torn stems, disease can so easily enter and fungus diseases just cause rotting. Keep your tools, your secateurs, your knives, whatever, clean. You can always wash them thoroughly under a tap with some washing up liquid. That usually does it. If you're absolutely paranoid about it, you can dip them in sterilising solution. That's generally not necessary. Just keep them clean. And when they start to get a bit blunt, a piece of emery paper rubbed over the sharp blades where sap has begun to get sticky will soon clean them. And emery paper and water will give you a blade that is good as the day it was made. Generally speaking, as well as being as thick as a pencil, the length of the stem, anything between 15 and 30 centimetres, if you take them about a foot long, for me, that seems better for outdoor survival. They've got just that much more nutrition packed away inside them. If they're short and small, they can so easily dry out before they've had a chance to root. When it comes to cutting top and bottom, I always cut below a bud at the base and above a bud at the top. If you make internodal cuts, that's midway between buds or shoots, 
so often the piece of stem that's left can die back to that bud or shoot. So it seems to me to make great sense to cut just below one at the bottom and just above one at the top. And that way you'll avoid the rotting. At the bottom, you can make the cut straight. At the top, you can make it slightly sloping away from the bud, just so that water doesn't sit too much in the top. It does run off more easily. Take more than you think you'll need. There are always casualties. You're not going to succeed with every single one. So if you take more, you know that you'll always get a handful that really do well. And we're dealing here mainly with deciduous plants and the cuttings are taken just after the leaves have fallen. Though, of course, on some plants, roses, for instance, a lot of them can retain leaves right the way through the winter. But snip off any that remain. And if you've got evergreen shoots, which are quite woody, remove all but the topmost pair of leaves. It just allows them to keep on photosynthesizing a little bit during the winter. Then you can prepare your patch of ground for planting. If your soil's well drained, it needs virtually no preparation at all. If it's a bit on the heavy side, the biggest worry is that the ground will be too soggy during the winter and that the cuttings will rot. So what I do is to push my spade into the ground and wiggle it from side to side to make a little V-shaped trench right the way along where I'm going to insert my cuttings. Now, if your cuttings are a foot long, you want to make your trench between six and nine inches deep. So you're actually going to bury about two thirds of the cutting. Make that slit trench, push in the spade, wiggle it about. And if your ground is a bit on the heavy side, dribble some really sharp sand down into the bottom of that slit trench. It'll just make sure that drainage at the base of the chute is that much sharper and that the cuttings are less likely to rot. The veg patch is a really good place to root cuttings. Generally speaking, particularly in winter, there's not much on most of it and they don't take up a lot of room. So at one end of your veg patch, make a slit trench where you can insert your hardwood cuttings. Having made the trench, having put a bit of sand in it, uh, if it's rather stiff, heavy soil, and the soil is free of weeds, then you can just push in the cuttings straight down. As I say, leave about a third to a quarter of them showing at the top. And then with your foot, push back the earth. You can space the cuttings about 15 centimetres, six inches apart. That'll give them plenty of room and firm that soil back really well. If you get frosts that lift the earth, after you've taken the cuttings, it's always worth just running along the road with your foot and making sure that the earth is firmed back in because frosty ground tends to be pushed up when it's moist. Just firming it back with your foot will make sure that the base of the cutting stays in contact with the earth and doesn't dry out. The majority of shrubs can be rooted in the ground like this. Anything that's slightly temperamental or slow-rooting, cornus, the dogwood, or laburnum, you can use pots, largish pots, sort of eight or ten-inch pots, so that they're not locking up a piece of ground that might be needed for something else in a year's time. And it may sometimes take that long for these cuttings to root, but as I say, they're free. They're only taking up space. They're not really taking up your time, so just be patient. 
I think the greatest thrill I ever had from hardwood cutting was when I didn't know that some roses will grow on their own roots, because we always buy them budded just to make sure that the variety is sufficiently vigorous to survive, because it's got roots on it which we know will survive. Don't be frightened of taking hardwood cuttings from all your roses, because those that are too feeble to root won't, and those that do will grow away well. And the big plus from roses grown from hardwood cuttings is that any suckers they produce will be of the variety, not of the barrier. That's one thing out of the way. And don't assume that when they start to grow away in spring, they are rooted. Sometimes they are. Sometimes it may take a little bit longer. You can always risk just scraping away the soil or forking around them a little bit to loosen it to see if they're rooted. If they haven't and they come out with no roots but they've started to grow, you'll probably notice at the very bottom of the cutting a sort of knobbly area. It's called callus. It's rather like your cuts beginning to heal. You know, we get a, a scab on the cut, or the callus, if you like, is the plant scab. It started the healing process, and rooting generally follows callusing. So if you've dug one up and it hasn't rooted, uh, just be a bit patient and assume that the rest might be in the same condition. Get it straight back in the earth, and the chances are it will continue the rooting process. And by the following winter, with any luck, it will be ready for digging up and transplanting to where you want it to grow. When it comes to aftercare, do make sure they don't dry out too much. I don't mean keep them soggy, but if they're in earth which is very light and very sandy, they can start to struggle in really prolonged dry spells. Give them a really good soaking. And if you've got rabbit problems, just cover them over with a little tent of chicken wire to make sure that the rabbits and the rodents are kept away from them. Come next autumn, when they've grown on for a year or so after you've planted them and they're ready to transfer to their new locations in the garden, dig them up and move them into a good spot with rich soil so they can grow away well. Or you can pot them up and use them for plant sales or grow your own container-grown stock. That way, you've grown your own Christmas presents and, you know, it's such a nice change from a pot of hyacinths. When it comes to transferring them from the spot where they're rooted, do it quickly. They don't like delay, they don't want to dry out. So dig them up and transplant them immediately, having prepared the planting spot in advance. That way, there'll be much less of a check to their growth. And as far as the new shoots are concerned, just snip them back by about half. That will encourage them to bush out and make sure they don't have to support too much new growth too soon. Don't be greedy. Just because it's grown a foot high, don't think, oh, it'll go away faster. No, it will grow away faster and more healthily if you just reduce it a bit. And do make sure that that new soil in the transplanting spot is well enriched with well-rotted garden compost or a bit of well-rotted manure. Be kind to them and they'll grow away that much more lustily the following spring. The most common errors, well, pulling them out too quickly to see if they've rooted, that will always stop them in their tracks. Just be gentle with them and don't be too eager to get them rooted. My trade secret is quite simply patience. You're getting something for nothing. Most of them will get there. Those that don't will show you pretty quickly by just drying out and shrinking back. But the ones that haven't done that 
wait for them. They'll get there in the end. And that's it. Hardwood cuttings, a turn of the seasonal cycle, and you'll have a barrowful, God willing, of new plants you've grown from twigs for, quite literally, a snip. Oh, and that sense of satisfaction that's second to none. How's that for an early Christmas present? From me, Alan Titchmarsh, till the next time, enjoy your garden. You've been listening to Tea Break Tutorials with me, Alan Titchmarsh, produced by Lucy Ditchmont for BBC Gardener's World magazine 